Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to another episode of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona, and this is our episode number 73. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. We have a great show today, but before we start, I want to remind everyone this is a pre-recorded show. We're doing this on January 11th, and this show's going to air on January 21st because we're going to be at the SHOT Show. The SHOT Show in Las Vegas. And now, what the heck is the SHOT Show? We say that all the time as though everybody knows. Well, before we go into the SHOT Show, I want to let you all know that we have official new president now. Oh, by the time this airs. Yes, yes. you're right. It would have happened yesterday, the inauguration day. I think everybody should go out and buy a gun. After you get your training. That's right. I was going to say, not everybody. Everybody, you know, it fits in their life, and that's okay. But um, I understand and appreciate what you're saying. Mel, what the heck is the SHOT Show? The SHOT Show is a show about the gun industry. It's it's huge. It's um, thousands and thousands of people. What do they have, like 800,000 people come to the show or something Something like that? Something like that. It's huge. And, you know, it's all the uh, people that are... uh, Firearms dealers, uh, firearms manufacturers. Um, there's classrooms about um, regulations, all kinds of stuff. It's it's like it's the fun. biggest uh, convention of the year for the firearms industry. It's put on by the uh, NSSF, National Shooting Sports Foundation. And it's just an incredible time to meet with industry people, go and see... Any new manufacturers, right? Because there's a lot of small new manufacturers that may, they make their debut there. Oh, there's uh, machinery. There's uh, software programs. There's magazines. There's everything that you could want. If you were going to ever open up a sporting goods or a gun shop, you need to go to this. You, know, you really need to go. You know, and we got to go as the um, as media last year for the first time because of this show gun freedom radio before that we had always gone as a retail store because of azfirearms.com the biggest little gun shop in arizona in arizona and it's uh it's an exciting experience it's a rich experience no matter which hat we're wearing and so um last year we were just trying to figure out okay how do we cover both of those bases and you pretty much handled the retail end and I got to be in yeah I I did all the work (laughs) you did all the fun stuff she got to meet everybody and I'm sitting around going oh here's another gun but but it was fun but uh and then she told me about all the stuff I missed yeah well it was so neat to get to meet some people that you know you normally never get a chance to you know sit down and just have a, a relaxed conversation with so it really was uh, a great experience, and we're looking forward to it again. And we're already on Facebook, like 
asking people, hey, are you going to be there? Are you going to be there? And so it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, if anybody is is out there listening and is going to be there, please reach out to us on Twitter, on Facebook. You know, send us an email, talk at gunfreedomradio.com, and just let us know, because if there's a chance for us to, you know, at least, you know, run by each other and give each other a high five as we're off to the next thing, it, it'd be a great opportunity just to, to meet face-to-face if ever so briefly. Right, and the people that are dealing in firearms, you know, this is a show that I go to, and I buy pretty well my year's, I make, make a commitment for my year's supply at the SHOT Show. So, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting, an interesting year, don't you think? You know what? I was just sitting here saying we should tell people what SHOT stands for. The Shooting, Hunting, Outdoor Trade Show, S-H-O-T, and conference. But it's going to be an interesting year because, you know, had Hillary been elected and had she been the one that was inaugurated um, yesterday. Don't now. Play nice. You just made my stomach upset. <laughs> Come on, Cheryl. Come on. Now, it we have happen. listeners from every political <laughs> persuasion. And, you know, we really, we tease. He's teasing. But, um, you know, we really, we have to move forward inviting people. I mean, we always had that spirit about us. But I think we have to be mindful now to invite people into the shooting sports because there's people across this nation right now that they have been very enthusiastically voting in bigger and bigger government, more controls over our lives, and thinking we were the conspiracy theorists, the crazy people, because we're like, we don't really trust the government, and that's what the Second Amendment is there, is there for. And suddenly they go, oh, wait a minute. That whole thing about not trusting the government, I, I think I'm understanding it in a very visceral way right now. And so there's people that had never envisioned themselves being a, a gun owner, uh, never really understanding what our point was about the Second Amendment, who are finding themselves really wanting to explore that and see how it fits in their life. And so, you know, any barriers we can take down, including, you know, our, our what we think are funny little pot shots at the other uh, candidates, um, you know, we, we want to we knock down those barriers. And we want to say, you know, let's have a good conversation. Let's have an intelligent conversation. Let's talk about what we value and why we value it. And we don't have to denigrate what somebody else values in the process. No, we don't. But we also have to keep in mind what it, it would have been a different and scenario, that, yeah, a big difference. Definitely. Scenario. And so that was my point is had had Hillary been elected, then I think we'd have a lot of like fear buying, like a lot of people thinking our, our gun rights are going away. We've got to get our, our guns mm-hmm. now. Well, just last year at the SHOT Show, you know, I try to make my orders for the year. Mm-hmm. You couldn't touch an AR-15. There was no AR-15s available. And they would tell you that. Uh, yeah, they might be available in a year, year and a half. That's how bad it was. And now? This year, is like they're going to be saying, hey, if you take five AR-15s, we're going to give you 90 days terms. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to be selling product, which is what we want, mm-hmm. because now it makes it more competitive. We can get deals. Mm-hmm. So I look to this SHOT Show being one that we're going to be able to see product, buy product, 
get whatever we want mm -hmm. at reasonable prices. So it's going to be good for the retail people mm -hmm. because they're going to get better deals. And so um, for people that are out there kind of scratching their heads going, now why, why is it different that Donald Trump is the one that was elected? It's different because... Um, there's a lot of people that might feel like, all right, so he's he's a gun guy, he's a Second Amendment guy, there's no worries that our laws are going to go away or that are going to change or anything, and so I don't have to care, I don't have to worry, I don't have to go uh, buy the, the latest product, and I also don't have to care about keeping my finger on the pulse of, of what's happening politically. And none of those things are true, to be honest with you. Because, you know, firearms are tools. And if you don't have the right tool for the right job, then you still need to buy that tool. And also, just because we have a quote-unquote gun-friendly guy sitting in the Oval Office uh, doesn't mean that people that are against our gun rights aren't still going to be working double-triple overtime. Yeah, let's take a look at California, for instance. I mean, um, Trump is our new president but yet they're going through all kinds of issues with gun laws. So we have to start thinking about as a state level more than a federal level right now. Still Absolutely. have to keep an eye on the federal level. Absolutely. But the state is where we need to really put our, our, um, our mind to. Okay, we've, as I said, we've got a great show today. The theme of it is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Well, let me go ahead and explain that, and then we'll, we'll say who our guests are. So that phrase, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help, those, that's a famous one-liner that was delivered by President Ronald Reagan, and he called them the nine scariest words in the English language. So, you know, he delivered that for humor. But like with any humor, there is a touch of truth embedded within so how big do you want your government to be? And exactly what functions do you want your government to perform? Do the answers to those questions depend on who is sitting behind the desk in the Oval Office? Something to think about. And if so, that will explain a lot about the current state of angst and anxiety that has taken hold of so many people across the United States. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that our founding fathers likely knew that this would eventually be a problem. And therefore, they set our government up with very few controls over and with very limited involvement in our personal daily lives. Big government only sounds like a good idea until there's someone running it whom you don't trust which is why so many of us would just rather gamble on the smallest government possible. It's just safer, and it's more prudent, and it offers much less at stake, no matter who our figurehead is. Well, yeah. I kind of think that our government should be about as big as what would fit in a 100-count pill box, you know, <laughs> Advil, you know. That's about how big our government should be. I hear ya. So uh, we've got a great, uh, we've got some great guests today. We have Brett Hammercheck. He is a um, co-author of the great new book titled "Time for a Turning Point: Setting a Course Towards Free Markets and the Limited Government for Future Generations," and the founder of Segway. And he's going to kind of kick off another series. We've got a four-part series on the Constitution 
and the size and scope of government. We also have Ben Brennan. He's a host of Modern Self-Protection Podcast, and he is considering open, oh my gosh, <laughs> he's considering opening a retail gun shop in his area. We will explore some of the pitfalls and opportunities of owning this most America of small businesses. Now that is going to take three hours. Young. I know that's going to be hard to fit in our 13 minute segment, but we're going to do our best. Our second hour, we have Craig Salman Sawyer, a Marine veteran, former Navy SEAL, sniper and combat instructor. He was also one of the original 33 federal fire uh, federal air marshals who were in place prior to the 9-11 attacks against the U.S. And currently Craig has bought his wealth of knowledge and experience as the owner of Tactical Insider, which brings technical advice on weapons and combat to Hollywood films and actors. Well, that's a tough job. Mm-hmm. We also have Greg Hopkins and Rob Morris. Greg Hopkins is the author of A Time to Kill, The Myth of Christian Pacifism. We also have Rob Morse, author of Slow Flax Blog and co-host of the Polite Society podcast. And together they were Together, they recently co-authored an article titled Human Rights versus California Politicians, Which Rights of Self-Defense Do We Have? We also have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Commentary. Um. Coming up, it's a great show. Stick around. Just on the other side of this commercial, we will be talking with Brent Hamachek. You don't want to miss a minute. Hi, I'm Paul Lathrop. I'd like to talk with you about the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. As many of you know, you'll likely have to win two fights if you have to use your gun in self-defense. The first fight is the gunfight itself. The second fight is the fight to clear your good name through the legal system. You don't need to draw your gun to find yourself in a legal battle for your life and freedom. Even if you do everything right, you may still be prosecuted, which could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. The Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network is an official sponsor of the Self-Defense Radio Network, and they will completely take that worry away by giving you financial assistance and legal assistance if you have to use your gun in a legitimate self-defense situation. In my case, it was $12,500 just to get out of jail and get the attorney started. Don't let no overzealous anti-gun prosecutor make your life miserable because you chose to legally defend yourself. Sign up at armedcitizensnetwork.org for only $135 for the first year and discounted renewals. Or you can call 360-978-5200 and just tell them Paul sent you. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. 
Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our theme today is, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Today we begin a four-part series on history. And before you nod off, consider that if I had said, I'm going to give you some little-known secrets to help you win your next trivia challenge, you would lean in and listen eagerly. So lean in, because you will be glad you stuck around defeat to meet our first guest, Brent Hamachek. He is the co-author of a great new book titled Time for a Turning Point setting a course toward free markets and limited government for future generations. And he's also the founder of his own business called Segway. Welcome to the show, Brent. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Greetings from cold, sort of rainy Chicago. Oh, golly. Bless your heart, Chicago. We're here in Arizona, and, uh, you know, we're enduring about 65 degrees and clear skies today. So, you know, it's it's a rough haul, but we'll see what we can do. Good luck. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. Um, so I, the book, this is such an awesome book. And um, you've co-authored it with uh, Charlie Kirk, uh, who is the founder of TPUSA, right? Turning Point USA. Correct. And as I'm reading this book, there are so many awesome uh, tidbits is really the wrong word, but tidbits of history in there make all the difference in understanding words that we use, right? Understanding where we've come through history and understanding, you know, how people get so polarized based on ideas like, well, I'm, I'm on the left politically or I'm on the right politically and what those things mean historically. And so that was one of the main reasons I reached out to you because I was like, holy cow, uh, you know, if if I'm having these aha moments with as much reading as I do and as much history as I love, then there's lots of people out there uh, having that. So um, tell us first, you know, about this book. How did it come about? What is TPUSA? Just give us a kind of a brief overview of what, what that organization is all about. Well, Turning Point USA is a uh, campus-based, predominantly college, but also high school, uh, campus-based activist group that is all about promoting the ideas of free markets, first principles, and limited government. And it was founded four and a half years ago by Charlie Kirk, who at that point in time literally used his high school graduation money to start the organization. And... uh, This is something that actually, on its scale and and by his nature and what he's accomplished at his age, has never been done before in the United States. So you move it back to four and a half years ago when it started. Today, Turning Point has a presence on over 1,100 campuses across the country, chapters on over 300 campuses. And Charlie Kirk has gone from a young guy who couldn't get into the Republican convention in 2012 to a guy who spoke at the Republican convention and worked on the presidential campaign in 2016. So the organization's remarkable. Charlie's remarkable. Uh, A year ago, 
just about almost to the day, I think, he said, uh, I've got people around Turning Point who are saying it's time for me to write a book. Would you be willing to write it with me? And, of course, I said yes, because what else would a, a mid-50s guy say to a young kid asking him to write a book? Right. So, so here we are. That is phenomenal. And what there are so many great stories embedded in just what you said. And because we're entrepreneurs, we have a couple of small businesses ourselves. What I'm hearing is that theme of what difference one person can make. Because so often people say that phrase with a shrug and, and you know, resignation. Oh, I'm just one person. What difference can I make? And then you look at somebody like Charlie, uh, Charlie Kirk, and, and, and what you together have been able to do, and, and you say, wow, okay, one person really can make a difference. So, um, so moving forward, you know, we get so accustomed to repeating things that we've heard in the, the quote-unquote news, right, mm-hmm. without really digesting them for, themsel- for ourselves. And in the book... You explained, as I said, some really important historical elements that have brought us to where we are today, and you've done it in such very accessible terms. And one of those explanations, and one of the things that caused me to reach out to you, specifically you, was that this idea of communism versus fascism. Now, we hear people using those, right? And they're, they're, they're words that are thrown like, you know, baseballs at each other. And I don't know that the average person could actually say, okay, here's the difference between the two, and this is what really makes it up. And so this is kind of where the the terms come from, the left and right wing, from those two ideas. Am I right? Am I remembering that right from your book? Well, it goes back further than that. So one of the one of the things that it's interesting about people in language and terminology of their time is that to the extent they believe or are certain that it means something today, they think that it's always meant that same thing. And, of course, in this case, we use the terms left and right. We use them about other people. Nobody says, I'm an extreme right winger. They'll say, <laughs> you're a far left loon. So they're pejorative terms. They're just insults. And to the extent that anybody has any agreement on what they mean, they assume that they've always meant then what they mean now. And they haven't. So if we go all the way back to 1789, it won't surprise a lot of people that American political divisions and problems started in France, as so many other problems do. But um, if we go back to the French Revolution and the beginning of the French Revolution, when the commoners, the Third Estate, uh, called an assembly together, they asked in the big meeting hall for the people that supported the monarch to sit on the right-hand side of the building. And that's because in France, when you had a dinner party, you invited your guests to sit on the right side of the dinner table. So the guests were on the right, and the revolutionaries, the commoners, were on the left. And so it was one wing of the house and the other wing of the house. And that's actually where the terms originated, left wing and right wing, came from the French Revolution and French table manners. And over time, what we've seen is sort of an evolving and an assigning of these terms. The fascism and communism piece comes into play during the Second World War and the time leading up to it, where, you know, 
Hitler and Stalin were really the same guy. Hmm. Hitler was a little bit more charismatic. Stalin killed more people. But essentially, they were bloodthirsty murderers who wanted to enslave their people. Mm. And so if you're going to choose one side or the other, you have to somehow or other draw a distinction. And what better way to do it than to say that they're at two opposite sides of the political spectrum? A spectrum, by the way, that didn't even exist up until that time. Mm-hmm. And so we see the fascists becoming far right, the communists being labeled as far left. And there's a lot more to this in terms of the specifics of how it's evolved. But essentially, the way the division is in America today, we're living with it as a product of the Second World War and how we started to think about right wing, left wing, fascism and communism. Well, and because you always hear, you know, the Nazis and Hitler being called, you know, far right wingers. Mm -hmm. So nowadays that if you're a conservative, um, you know, uh, Republican, then you're called a, a right winger. There's an implication there that's hard to like. Now, wait a minute. I don't I don't line up with anything that's going on with Hitler. So how am I on the right? And he was on the right. So, so how does that then morph into today's world? Well, and it really started immediately after the Second World War, and there's sort of a logic chain, and we bring this out in the book. But if you go back to what we call the McCarthy era, and there's a lot of folks that use these terms again, and they don't understand the history, and they don't realize exactly what it was that took place. But here's what we know that's sort of generally true that in the days after the Second World War, when American government was preoccupied with looking for communists in our midst, the effort was largely led by Republicans, which meant that they were associated with being anti-communist. We had just come out of the war where we had decided that the antithesis of communists is fascist. Ergo, we wind up saying that Republicans are like right-wingers who are like fascists. And if you want to know historically who really connected those dots for America and screwed society up, Saul Alinsky had a lot to do with that. Um, He had the idea of associating conservatives with the term and the ideas of fascism to label us that way. Hmm. Uh, And he did it quite successfully. Mm -hmm. To the point that we have adopted the the label of right wing, you know, as, as opposed to left wing. But we're still trying to figure out, well, how do we, you know, cast off all those pieces that don't fit? And, uh, you know, we see it rear its ugly head in in all kinds of ways as we're trying to actually have productive conversations. And then somebody will hurl that that baseball back at us about, well, you know, if you're right wing, then you're a Nazi. What? How'd that happen? Right. It is exactly the reason that spurred me on to do the research uh, that I did this several years ago. Uh, because as a, as a Reagan supporter, back when I was 18 years old, that was my first vote, I learned over time that people would refer to Reagan supporters and racists as though they were synonyms. And I got, I got feeling curious, thinking, well, I'm not a racist, and neither were any of my friends. What happened here? And that sort of started my journey of walking through the historical connections and evolutions of the term and how we got to this point. So none of us knew back in 1980 that we were racist. We thought we were just fine. We just <laughs> wanted Reagan to be president because we agreed with his ideas. 
Well, one of the things that I'm so looking forward to having uh, uh, Trump as president is that I can actually disagree with the president without somebody automatically calling me a racist. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. So that 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 part is is absolutely true. So uh, because I plan on not agreeing with every single thing that comes out of his mouth. And I think that that's healthy and that's good. And uh, that's what keeps us all on the right path. Listen, we've got to run to commercial. Can you stick around? Because we have so much more I want to unpack with you. I would absolutely love to. Fantastic. All right. Stick around. We've got much more with Brent Hamachek, the co-author of Time for a Turning Point, Setting a Course Toward Free Markets and Limited Governments for Future Generations, right after this. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Well, we are talking today with Brent Hamachek. He is the co-author of an awesome new book titled Time for a Turning Point, Setting a Course Toward Free Markets and Limited Government for Future Generations. He's also the founder of his own company called Segway. And Brent is part of our four-part series today on history, because if we don't really understand what's come before, we just end up in this big old messed up muddle that we have now. And Brent, are you still with us? I am still with you. 
So we're talking about, you know, how the terms left wing and right wing came into play and, and how communism and fascism, you know, they were trying to distinguish themselves uh, and not really themselves. They were trying to distinguish the other. Right. And so that was part of how these terms uh, kind of came up. It's like, well, they're not part of us. They're the left wing. Well, they're not part of us. They're the right wing. And. You know, I just wonder, is there any way for us to have a coherent conversation about where people stand on a political continuum of any sort? And is there any way for us to use that to actually start to bring people together and solve problems? Or are we just always going to hurl baseballs at each other? Well, the, the short answer is that our ability to have civil conversations and debate issues is is limited or tied to or dependent upon our ability to get rid of old notions and terminology and to start to look and evaluate problems a different way so let me let me share that it it is the contention in our book that there is no right wing or left wing in america the way we use them in terms of feeling like you're moving along some line what we really have is team right and team left. So we have two teams. Each team on it has platoons on that team. And imagine, if you will, if you're, maybe your listeners are, some of them are football fans. So you have offense, defense, and special teams. Mm-hmm. When your platoon is on the field, if you're on offense, then the other platoons are on the sidelines watching you and cheering for you. <laughs> so, let's, so let's take an issue. Let's take the pro-life, pro-choice uh, debate. What we have are two different platoons on two different teams. The pro-choice folks are on team left, and the pro-life folks are on team right. Okay. And when those two sides engage, for the people that really, where that's really their burning and motivating issue, other platoons that are on each of their teams, respective teams, will cheer for them and help them, even if abortion isn't their particular big issue. Mm-hmm. So we wind up with, and the book walks through the historical development of this, but what we really have are, instead of debating issues along some sort of continuum, which I'll suggest to you a solution to that in a moment, we have, whatever the issue is, we have two platoons fighting from two different teams, and then their teammates supporting them, absent knowledge, wisdom, perspective, patience, Mm, all those things that are the things that drive resolutions in the world of business. Wow. So if we could do this, if we could do this, if we could sit down before we look at any issue that faces us, whether it's a highway roads project, uh, I guess that's redundant, uh, whether it's a highway funding project or whether it's a pro-life, pro-choice project, whatever it is. And if we could start by asking ourselves a fundamental question, How much individual freedom are we willing to give up in order to address this problem collectively? Hmm. If we could get people to do that, then you would start to have the ability to figure out between different people with different positions just how far they were willing to go or not go to solve the problem. Hmm. Then you could hammer through it. That takes a lot of introspection it takes uh critical thinking why is that so much to ask of people these days but it sounds like that is an awful lot to ask of people 
it, it is an awful lot to ask. I, sadly, you know, we do live in this world of, of sound bites and shortened commentary and other things. I'm not a social media user, although I help my clients with social media, ironically. But I was on Twitter for about 45 days leading up to the release of the book, and I was on it anonymously. I was on it just simply under the title of the book in order to promote it and generate a little buzz. Mm-hmm. What I watched in terms of the traffic and the commentary, I didn't know you could pack that much profanity into 140 <laughs> characters. And so when you see this as sort of the level of discourse that was going on during the campaign, it wasn't terribly encouraging. Yeah. So time for a turning point is our offering up into civil and thoughtful discourse. I love it. It is time for a turning ports, a point. <laughs> so, you know, we're talking about categorizing things. We're talking about tweeting, right? So my next uh, thought is about, of course, Donald Trump. So mm-hmm. how, how do you categorize him? And what is your theory that you personally use to explain his success? Well, Donald Trump has been uh, a great thing for me, both uh, in terms of being a citizen, because I was a supporter of his campaign before there was one. He's also been good for me professionally in terms of writing and being able to talk to somebody like yourself on the radio. Because I, uh, and if Charlie Kirk were on the line with us, he would tell you this himself as a witness. But I predicted the success of the Trump campaign as far back as March of 2015. Wow. Go and there's you. A, so there's a reason for that. And if somebody reads our book and they read the last chapter that we're discussing here today, they'll understand why. So Donald Trump is a man who, sadly, to some extent, doesn't seem to be somebody who's steeped in any particular type of philosophy, sort of this all-encompassing way to assess and evaluate and act in the world. On the other hand, refreshingly. He's also a man who is completely absent any ideology. Hmm. And if you go back to our team approach, each one of those platoons is really an ideology. Mm-hmm. You know, philosophy requires application and ideology requires adherence. Well, Donald Trump didn't have that. He's not on team right or team left. And since, you know, we're the Gun Freedom Radio Network, we'll, we'll use this as an example we all know in a Western movie there's that bar fight. There's always the classic <laughs> bar fight. True. And, and at some point in that scene, somebody stands up on a table and fires a shot into the ceiling. And everybody for a moment stops, looks up, and says, what just happened? Hmm. Donald Trump's cat- uh, candidacy was the equivalent of that barroom shot mm-hmm. that got everybody to stop for a moment and take a look. And they didn't just necessarily resume fighting with the same person when they were done. Mm-hmm. Because he took the teams and he shook them up. And he was able to bring people from both teams towards him. In a very real sense, he triangulated a bit, to use an old Dick Morris term. Mm-hmm. And so that is the reason that his candidacy was not just successful but why it was so important, because if this doesn't get the attention of establishment politicians and American citizens, what on earth will? So true. And, you know, when you look at the way you just described that, I think that it's so healthy, right, to flip Mm -hmm. the script a bit and shake things up a bit and help people to maybe 
you know, dislodge themselves if they are feeling like, okay, so I've identified with this particular thing for so long and it's morphed around me. It really doesn't, I don't fit it anymore and it doesn't fit me. This is a great opportunity for people to, to do some introspection and, and some realignment. I think that's healthy. Uh, I'm excited for the opportunity. It, uh, it is. You know, this is, uh, this is a, a man who stood up on a stage surrounded by 173 other Republican candidates, or however many there were, and he didn't sound like any of the others. Because what he sounded like was, in a very real sense, a regular guy who said, America's a little bit screwed up, and I've got some ideas. Well, I think things could work better. Mm-hmm. Well. Nobody says that. I know. Nobody approaches it that way. And, uh, and I mean, and this will shock people. It always does when I say it, but I'll defend it. Donald Trump fits better the idea of the perfect presidential candidate uh, that our founding fathers had than anybody else who ran for office this time. For That's one true. simple reason. He wasn't a career politician. Right. You know, they, didn't, they didn't envision career politicians. They wanted people to come and serve and leave. Yeah. So um, he is my constitutional candidate. I <laughs> love it. Well, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but, you know, I've touched a couple of times uh, saying that you have your own business called Segway. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that and then be sure that people know how to reach out to you before we do run out of time. Sure. That's great. My uh, company is a full service business consulting company, been around for 17 years. Uh, work with privately owned businesses and solve unsolvable problems. So I work with startups, I work with turnarounds, I work with everything in between. We help them get money, we help them get sales, uh, we help them operationally. So it is a full soup to nuts, beginning to end assistance for the private business owner. And I like to sum it up by saying I, I kind of just solve unsolvable problems. And uh, that's awesome. I've been doing that for a long time. And my uh, website is segwaysolutions.com. And that's the only way to find me because I'm not on social media. Uh, but turning point is, and I would encourage every listener you have to follow Charlie Kirk, mm-hmm. to follow Turning Point USA, to read this book, which is really his vision for America's future. The kid's 23 years old, he's just getting started, and he's already change the landscape of American politics. Well, getting into the colleges and giving students an opportunity to hear some other side other than just the liberal mindset is is huge, you know? It's not like he's indoctrinating anybody. He's just giving people another option of, of ideas, another way to look at the world and see things and problem solving. And I think it's amazing. And, and I love his slogan is big government sucks. So <laughs> It is. And that is, that is a chapter in, in, in the book. Uh, big government sucks is one of our chapter titles. And hopefully that'll intrigue your listeners enough to go out and grab a copy. Absolutely. And, you know, it is such an intelligent book and and just laced with so much history. I I want to read it again. It was just an amazing uh, and and encouraging book that people still think this way. And, And such a young person has the ability to see that you know, one one of the booklets you wrote, which I'm, I don't have time to get into this time, but I definitely want to have you back on, is called Capitalism Cures. 
And, um, you know, it's instead of capitalism being just this evil demon out there all the time, uh, it gives people a chance to, to really kind of step back and go, oh, okay, so maybe it's not just bad. Maybe there are a lot of good things about it. It is a treat to be able to make the social justice argument for capitalism. Uh, it is seldom made, uh, but it is compelling, and it's, it's the right argument to make. So we're happy to make that argument, and people will find that in the book as well. I love it. Thank you again so much for all of your time coming on. And I'm definitely going to be uh, emailing you to, to come back on in the future because I feel like we barely skimmed the surface. Would you come? Uh, absolutely. This has been a ball. I love to do it. And uh, you did a great job of asking really good questions. It would be an honor to come back. Awesome. Thank you again so much. We really appreciate it. Brent Hamachek of Segway and also co-author of a time for a turning point. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. All right, stick around because coming right up, we have Ben Branham. He's the host of Modern Self-Protection Podcast. And here's a guy who wanted to kind of pick our brains on the air about what would it be like to open a small gun shop? Be afraid. <laughs> be very afraid. <laughs> anyway, stick around. Lots to talk about. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment. Staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I'm asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Potty Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at PottyGoldEstate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Collier sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform Sponsored by AZ Firearms, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. The biggest little gun shop. Yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, uh, our next guest is uh, Ben Branham. He's the host of Modern Self-Protection Podcast. He is considering opening a retail shop in his area. We will explore some of the pitfalls and opportunities of owning this most important American small business. Uh, ben, are you with us? I'm here. Happy hey, to be here. Welcome to the show. I got to start out 
by asking Ben why. Okay. <laughs> hey, Ben, I'm here too. This is yeah. Cheryl. Hi, guys. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, it just, I've had the most fun in my life working in a retail firearm shop. And the firearm shop is, that I'm working for is closing. And uh, it just, it's not as good as it could be. And I think there's very sh few shops out there that do it real well. And so I, I think I could really help the public get what they want, get the training they need, and really enjoy the whole firearms experience, including the buying, selling, trading, and getting to the range. Well, you know, Ben, I love it. I really do. But I'll tell you, along with it brought a lot of headaches. So, <laughs> you know, I, I would never tell anyone not to open a gun shop, but I would love to talk to anyone about before they open a shop about the the problems I have. Well, which is why we're here today. And, you know, when we opened AZ Firearms, it was it basically I think it still is, to be honest with you, Ben, it is the Danny Todd collection. He just gave it a business name <coughs> so that we could hire staff and you know, <laughs> and he could grow his collection. But um, there are a lot of pitfalls that have come along just even in the 10 years we've been open that weren't a problem before. And some of it is going to be like financial and funding. Well, Ben, what, what state are you in? I'm in Texas. Okay. You know, if, if I had the choice of opening a gun shop in this country, Texas would be my, would be my number one pick. But, you know, if, if you've got the time to listen, I, I had a gun shop years ago. And I went in there with very little money and tried to make uh, a shop work, and I found that it was it was just too hard. I mean, the at the time we had Smitty's uh, uh, grocery stores that sold guns, and we had all kinds of competition, and they could get like Smith and Wesson's cheaper than I could get them. They could sell them to the public for wholesale, and so that was cutting into me quite a bit. But it it it's a tough business. But you've got to have a lot of capital, and you've got to want to do it, and that sounds like you do, but uh, it's it's tough. And you've got to, and it sounds like you've got this lined up in your, your brain, it can never, any small business can never just be about money in and money out. You've got to have, you know, a passion for it. You've got to want to serve people in a special way and it sounds like you do Ben that you know you you mentioned when we were chatting off air that you know there's kind of this um commando <laughs> commando attitude out there in some of the shops and you know you want to be more like we are where we we are just about serving people and and in, in educating them and that's what I hope to do and I really it's yes, it's going to be tough. Margins are like zero on firearms. I'm just trying to get the idea rolling and see if I could do it. I love training people and I love teaching people about the different guns that are out there. And I also I'm a big kid like you guys. Um, <laughs> I love the new guns that come out and I get to play with them first and see what they're like and all that stuff, too. So this is just it, it's the most fun I've ever had. So I'm trying to turn it into a business where I can help more people get a better experience we even here in texas there's people that come in and they come from different shops and they're like i can't believe how badly they treated me because i'm a girl i'm like mm -hmm. well come on in you know right. let's pick a gun mm -hmm. for you see what you need and let's get going and i just I, i'm hoping to get rid of that gun store commando thing and use educated staff that actually can help people get what they need and not 
you know, it's always, I hate to bring up the lady thing, but this is the one that they, that aggravates me the most. One of the first people I want to hire is a female that understands guns because the ladies come in and go, I want a little cute one. And they want a 380 LCP or a 380 bodyguard or something. And those are little boogers. Those are no fun at all to shoot. Exactly. And I think it just ruins the whole experience for that person. And then she goes out and shoots once with her boyfriend or her husband or some friends that drag her along. And then she goes, oh, this hurts. This sucks. I guess maybe I'll keep it for self-defense, but I'm just not going to do it again. Well, you know, we're losing the best salesman that we've ever had. <laughs> the nation had a full-time gun uh, salesman, and we've lo we're losing him. And um, I think it's going to make it tough. I mean, we're going to go strong. Our business is going to do well. But you kind of anybody could have opened a gun shop eight years ago. You didn't have to have much knowledge. Basically, all you had to do is get the product and you could sell it. It's going to change now. We're going to have to provide services that normally we wouldn't have provided. We're going to have to, uh, uh, we provide, but a lot of shops didn't. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to be full service. And, you know, um, Cabela's, things like that are out there. They sell guns. They sell a lot of guns, but they don't have that service that, okay, I bought a gun from you. It doesn't work. Now what do I do? Well, you have to send it back to the factory. Well, you can't do that and be a small shop. You have to serve your customer and serve them well, or they'll just go to the big boxes. But it I'm works. I'm looking for a a tougher year. I um you know I've been in business for ten years at AZ Firearms, and this year was the first time in ten years that I was actually offered guns at ninety percent uh, ninety day financing for free. You know that just doesn't happen. Like AR-15s and Smith and Wessons, I get 90 days to pay for them. That never happened before. Now that can be a pitfall for a lot of people, uh, Ben. And I think that maybe what you're seeing in your area, because you said there's a lot of small shops that are failing and closing up. And yeah. uh, so they're going to be selling their guns at discounts below cost to survive. And in the meantime, they're going to be going there and buying their guns from them. And you're going to be sitting there going, well, where's my customers at? Well, these guys are, they're trying to survive, so they're just selling guns below cost to make it. Now, they're eventually going to die, but um, that's one of the problems. So you have to be able to have the capital and the inventory. I mean, I opened a store the first time I opened, I had about 40 guns. And sometimes I had little as 10 guns in the store. Now we have 1,200 guns, and I try to keep it at that level at all times, which is a tough market, too. And to have things that no one else has is, again, tough. Well, Ben, are you thinking about maybe taking over uh, a failing shop? Are you thinking about waiting for them to fail and then occupying that space because people just muscle memory drive their car in that direction? Are you thinking about opening something brand new? What Of those three options, what, what are you thinking most? I would love to take over the shop that I was working in, but it's just not going to happen with the owners. They're not into that, and they think they can turn it around, and I don't think so. I think it's going to die a lingering slow death, which I'm actually not excited for them because they're really great people. I really wish they would have made it because I, I was working there as a manager and I loved them and the family. Mm -hmm. They were awesome. It's just like you said, the next couple years, I think three, two or three years are going to be tough on the gun business. We lost our best salesman and mm -hmm. all these shops that aren't going to change with the time, so to speak, are all going to just hit the brick wall and die off mm -hmm. where price is what they're going to try to build on but you know how's that work for the airline industry for the years mm. so I'm, I'm looking at that service size like you guys have and uh, at first i think i'm going to do my own thing 
with I got a partner out here and he's super smart. He's been in the business for 10 years, too. And he's been doing managers for other gun shops. And I think we're going to go with a smaller inventory and try to specialize in some stuff and get out to the gun shows and start driving traffic that way and then start building it up. Just him and I real small is kind of what we're thinking. Mm -hmm. And it's always going to be see what works as the market changes. <coughs> we also kind of want to do like a, not a country club, sort of. Mm -hmm. I wish I could steal that name, but mm -hmm. not a not the upscale nice one, but have a nice club feel to it where anybody's welcome to come in, sit around. Him and I smoke cigars, so we're thinking about doing a cigar social barbecue. And old school Texas, you wear a barbecue gun when you go to your Saturday events and stuff. Have everybody wear their barbecue gun, come out and get some burgers and stuff, and hang out in the shop and just do some of that club fun stuff that I think we're losing in the firearms business. It's becoming more uh, self-defense, and it's all so serious that you know it, it is serious life and death and you got to be careful and safety and all that stuff but we're losing that social aspect of it where i think if somebody does that real well i think they can knock it out of the park where people just come together well ben you know i've, I've been around the block a few times and i and i like that idea and we want to have that small hometown barbershop feel it's tough though because you know you're the manager you're the owner of the store now okay You've got credit card processing machines to deal with. You've got banks to deal with. You've got um, uh, distributors and insurance and workman's Staff compensation. And, and so here you have you have all these issues sitting on your desk, and you have time to get it. You don't have time to get it done. And then you've got a customer that wants to talk to you about a gun they bought 25 years ago, which I love to hear the stories and I love to work with. But you're sitting in the back of your head going, I got to get this work done and I can't get it done. And so my best advice to you is have a good staff with you that can deal with the customers and take care of all their issues and all their stories. Just and then when you have free time, when you have free time, you go out and you do these things. But one of the biggest problems that I've found is that my time causes me to react different when I'm stressed about getting work done. Instead of being chatty, you know, he's, he last, comes across impatient. Last because week I got a stuff. Last week I got a notification from the insurance company saying they canceled my insurance. Then t this yesterday I got one that workman's compensation canceled my insurance. Now these are important matters for me. I got them worked out. They were in error, and we got it cleared out. But these are just little things that you don't expect. It's hard to sit down and have a cigar when that's like screaming in the back of your mind. But but you know yourself and you know <coughs> your your um, ability to, to you know ha set these times aside. And I love the idea that you have in mind. And we've got to start wrapping up. But um, the, uh, the other thing that I would say is when you're talking about the female uh, clientele, we also have these amazing opportunities that this election opened up. We've got a lot of, of people that are liberal-leaning, um, left-leaning politically, who are now very interested in, in the world of firearms. Uh, they're seeing it as something they want to um, embrace. And also the minority communities that um, you know haven't really felt like they are a part of the gun culture, a part of the NRA. So I would say if you are actively reaching out to uh, people in those groups and you you got the rest of that already kind of mapped out in your mind i think you've got the recipe for success there ben and uh, i just wanted to give you a chance tell people a little bit about your podcast and how they can tap in and, and hear what you're doing over there 
Cool. Thanks. I'm the Modern Self-Protection Podcast. It's at modernselfprotection.com, on iTunes, Stitcher, all that good stuff. But I just talk about self-defense. And a lot of it's about firearms. I'm recording an episode today about trigger control. But a lot of it's also about just defending yourself, about being aware, about tricks to be aware, about little games you can play with yourself, about talking to your family about being safe, getting those conversations going. I've got a seven-year-old that I'm going to be recording our conversation his a couple of his conversations that we're going to start having about his self-defense and yeah he's seven but you know there's bad people out there and it's about him he's got to kind of learn before he learns the hard way Absolutely. so i'm hoping that this is this podcast that i'm doing is just to help people and i used my background from 10 years in the marine corps anti-terrorism i did armored car stuff where awareness was everything and I, some of the lessons i learned the hard way some of them i learned the easy way so i'm trying to bridge that all over to simple stuff that all of us can do and most of the military guys um they just know this stuff is something you do every day and then you tell a civilian and they're like oh that makes perfect sense why didn't i think of that (laughs) so some of the tips are that simple and that easy so it's a great podcast for anybody to listen to and i keep it g-rated like your show so you can have your kids listen your your significant other and nobody's going to really be offended except for when i say probably you know, when you got to defend yourself, you got to defend yourself. And we talk about that mindset a little bit. Absolutely. And give us the, the website for that. ModernSelfProtection.com. Awesome. Well, best of luck with all your plans. And uh, I know you're going to have lots more questions about the gun store thing as it comes along. So, you know, don't just feel free to reach out to Dan or I off air and we'll, we'll you know, whatever we can offer because we've been doing it. But I'm sure there's always better ideas out there. Yeah, I could use some ideas, too. <laughs> I mean, we're always growing, but uh, the main thing to tell you is if, you, if you're going to open your door to sell guns, keep it open for everyone. Absolutely. Oh, ben, yeah. ben Branham, thank you so much. The host of Modern Self-Protection Podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Thank Bye. You. All right, stick around. We have our number two coming up where we have three fantastic guests, starting with uh, a Navy SEAL. Holy cow, this guy, Craig Sawman Sawyer, he's got a lot to talk to us about. Stick around. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. 
gun? Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is an old town Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com.